Hello everyone, it's Jose and it's good to be with you. I'm so grateful for Brian Fowler last week and that message on generosity and living out God's vision for how we give. If you missed it, please go back to our YouTube channel and watch it. And we are in the series called The Way of Jesus. If you're just new to watching, you somehow found uh, these messages, thanks for watching. And I hope that they're an encouragement to you. What we're looking at is over the last few months on what it means to live under God's good rule. Remember, uh, Jesus said early on before he gave this, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is the space and the people with which God really leads. And so Jesus, who's the fulfillment of the law, is the one who can show us if you want to live in a way that's pleasing to God and enjoy life at its best. And frankly, life with God is life at its best. Jesus is actually modeling and now showing us the way. And he gave us these examples of how to live in accordance to the Old Testament law. And now we're looking at some comparisons. And just like last week, if you missed it, again, watch the message. What Jesus is doing is comparing. There was a group of leaders in their day called the Pharisees who were Bible experts and these are the people that people looked up to. It's the kind of person you wanted to be. And if you're a parent, you would love for your child to grow up to be one of these good godly leaders. But Jesus exposes something. On the outside, many of them, not all of them, but many of them look good on the outside. But on the inside, on the real them, the way they were approaching spirituality was actually off. And so Jesus is going to show us how to grow deeper and be more fruitful, not just in our giving, that was last week, but in our ongoing conversation with God. So let's just read it. We're in Matthew 6, and I'll start in uh, verse 5. It says, and when you pray, notice not if, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, referring to the Pharisees, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, notice not if, when. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, he has more words about prayer, but let's just pause and think about these for a minute. I want to talk about what prayer isn't, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions. When you ask people, if you were just ask someone on the street, are you a praying person or are you a spiritual person? You can get all sorts of responses, but what does prayer look like really? Well, Jesus tells us what prayer is not. The first thing, obviously, prayer is not a show. And, and Jesus gets to the heart of it when he thinks about these Pharisees or what he calls hypocrites. He, he, he notices they pray in public spaces, right? And, and so what the Pharisees often did was in synagogue, these were the leaders, and say, say they would lead in these public prayers. And Jesus is saying, well, that's good, but you can pray in public and look good. You ever just like, like a jealousy over someone's prayer life? in public. Like, man, I wish I could pray like that. I wish I wish I could find those words. Like when, when I go to talk to God, I run out of stuff or I just, I don't really sound like I know what I'm talking about. You know what Jesus is saying? I'm not concerned 
about what you sound like in public because prayer isn't supposed to be a show. When you pray, um, it's hard to, to understand it fully when you're looking at it in English, but he's talking about here singular. Notice verse six, when you pray, you as an individual, not just like to the whole crowd, although he's saying it to the crowd, but he's saying, when you, Jose, when you go to pray, what should it look like? Go to your room, verse six, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen, and your father who sees what's done in secret, he's going to reward you. Devout Jews prayed at least three times a day. And they would pray the Shema, you know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, our God is one. They, they had the 18 benedictions. There were all sorts of uh, routines for prayer or models for prayer. Just like for us, and I'm going to suggest this, we have the Lord's Prayer. We haven't read it yet, but we have what Jesus gave us as a model prayer. Well, for the ancient Jew, they had theirs as well. And not that that's bad. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying praying a repeated or a printed prayer is bad. What I am suggesting is that for Jesus, who knows the heart, prayer shouldn't be a show. So repeating phrases over and over or reading a liturgy over and over and saying that is my prayer can be a beautiful act of heartfelt connection to Jesus. It absolutely can. Or it could be checking the box. And so as Jesus looks at the community around him, he says, oh, all of you are looking up to the Pharisees because again, we see them as the bad guys. But in their day, these are the wonderful examples of Bible-believing, Bible-memorizing, Bible-living people. Jesus is saying, gosh, their view of prayer is not the best example. But you, the individual, when you go to pray, what should you do? Close the door. Wow, that's... This is an interesting one. The, the place to pray was often in the synagogue or the greatest place to pray was in the temple. The places of prayer were holy places, but Jesus is saying any place is a holy place when you invite God's presence. Isn't that good? Isn't that encouraging? For us as a community, I want us to think of prayer as not just something I do before a meal. Not bad. Give thanks. Fantastic. You know, not just as I wake up and just as I go to bed or whenever I'm with my community group or whenever I open my Bible, prayer is when, when we, in a sense, close the door on other things. Now, what is Jesus talking about? Well, if you know, like the average Palestinian home back in the day, they lived communally. And so you had one, most people just had a big open one room house right? And whether you cooked outside or inside, depending on the size. And it was a big open room, but there was probably the equivalent of a storage closet where you would keep your valuable things. Because remember, you kind of live on, in public here. You live with many family members and your houses are close together and everyone's in and out. But your valuable things you put behind a closed door. Because not like us today where how many bedrooms and, you know, do you have a bonus room and how many bathrooms? We're all about doors, doors, doors and segmenting life and space, theirs was more open. And Jesus says, uh, you want to have an ongoing relationship with God? It's a simple, go to a place where the valuables go. In other words, for them, they would put like uh, a precious, whatever things that they had in the closet, uh, animals that need to be protected or, or kept from the other animals who might hurt or harm, harm them, you know, put them away in that closet. Get away from the normal, 
and invite God into that space. And for us as Jesus' people, Jesus is modeling what it ought to look like. Find your spot or your spots that are a little bit away from the noise and, and we can meet with God there. And that is revolutionary to think about. The, the fact that you can meet with God anywhere at any time. And as a matter of fact, back in their day, you know, the, the public prayer was a way of impressing other people. And Jesus is saying, I'm not interested in what other people think about your relationship with me. That the closet, close the door, the private space is where he wants to meet with us. And so let me just ask you, where are your places that, that you get to meet with God? And then now that, that could be when we're together in a room or with your family now as you're watching you know, a gathering with your, your community group, with another friend when you go on a walk. It doesn't have to be always alone. Jesus isn't implying the only way to pray is you behind a door with nobody watching. Uh, they prayed together in the synagogue all the, all the time and Jesus was there. They prayed in temple all the time and Jesus was there. But what is God looking for? He's looking to meet with us in common places. I think that's what Jesus is getting at. And so where are the places for you? I hope that you're discovering, you know, for me, I'll just give you, it's my way, but it's not the way. For me, because I'm the earliest riser in our house, my spaces are just our main living room because I'm the first one up. And because it's quiet, that's my closed door. I mean, there's no door. It's just a kind of open concept room. But everyone else is off sleeping. And, and that's the greatest time for me, or right before I'm, I'm going to bed, um, which I'm usually the first person to go to bed, to be quite honest, I could take a couple of moments and just decompress the day. Uh, you know, the space for me is on a walk. I love to walk. I hate to sit still is actually the truth. But when I'm on a walk, often I'll just put some worship music in my ears and, and make the worship songs prayers. And often I find myself just pausing the music because something is said that triggers something in my mind, whether it's a person or a situation, and I will just keep the earbuds in and offer up that prayer out loud, or if there are plenty of people around me in a low voice, in a whisper, these thoughts to God. These are common places. These aren't quote unquote holy places, but Jesus is saying any place where God is, is holy. And so close the door, find those spaces. But notice the second thing is that prayer is not, is, is prayer is not a way to convince God. Prayer time is not supposed to be the time where we try to like wrestle and finagle God to do what we want. Just look at verse seven. And when you, keep, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they're gonna be heard because of their many words, long prayers, right? Don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you even ask. Don't keep babbling. What is Jesus referring to? Well, the common view in their day, and maybe somewhat in, in today's thinking as well, for those outside the Jewish faith, in, in the pagan community or the Gentile, the non-Torah-reading, you know, Torah reading, Yahweh-worshiping community, uh, prayer was about convincing the gods. And so the default mode in, in their religious system was whether the gods are above you and the gods were kind of mean. And it, prayer was the tool that I try to convince the gods 
that they should be on my side. So in the mainstream view, prayer is about getting God on your side. I want to overuse the word manipulating God, convincing the gods to do your bidding or to withhold their anger. That was the mindset because God was seen as distant or the gods were seen as distant and they were seen as controlling and powerful. So, so prayer is a tool to get on God's like good side. Now, obviously, if you've read the Bible, that's just not, that's not the mindset, uh, the biblical view of, of God in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. But in, in their day, so the, in terms of the non-Jews or the pagans, they, they did long prayers because you, in a sense, try to wear the gods down. Like long, lofty, ornate, ongoing prayers were seen as the way to, to get in the right with the gods. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't babble along. God already knows what we need. Now, notice when Jesus, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, which is a little bit of a paradox. If God knows everything that I need before I ask, then why pray in the first place? I, I think Jesus is getting at the heart of prayer. The heart of prayer is an invitation to relationship. Just think about your natural human relationships. How good would your relationship be with your, and then you fill in the blank, uh, if you're married, your spouse, or your girlfriend or boyfriend, or your, just your roommates, your friends, how, how would the quality of your relationship be if it weren't for ongoing dialogue? I mean, conversation is about relationship building. The reason we keep in touch with the people that we love is that we love them. And the way that we foster like that ongoing love, just think about the person that you used to be close with and you've lost touch with. And then for whatever reason, whether it's an online thing or you actually bump into them, you get reconnected. What do you want to do? You want to catch up, like, right? You want to catch up about, about all the things that you missed because conversation is about relationship. And what Jesus is saying is the heart of prayer, my friends, is not about impressing anybody or looking good. It's about finding that, that space away from others, close the door in their context, that one little spot of your home where people can or things can be hidden away Find that, that alone time with God. Why? Because God is inviting us into relationship with himself. And, and it doesn't require, hear me, it doesn't require lots of ongoing words because God already knows what he's longing for is for us to be in a place to hear from him. I think what Jesus is implying because he says, don't keep on bab babbling like the pagans. You don't have to convince God to love you. He already loves you. You don't have to convince God that he has now the information to help you because God already knows everything. So when we come into this ongoing conversation with God, we're invited to his presence. We're invited to know his nearness. Prayer is about experiencing the goodness of God in the real, in the here, and in the now. It's not like sending someone a text which is sort of relational, but very distant and cold. Think of prayer as your invitation to a room. Yes, God, the God who is unseen, so I don't see him in the way that you see me right now, and I theoretically see you, which I don't. It's not about that, but it's about that we're in the same space, and I'm pouring out my heart to the God who already loves me, who's already for me, and now I get to listen. God knows what we 
need. So why, why should we ask? Because Jesus invites us to. The Father loves it when his kids come to him for what they need. Just think about, I mean, I've got two kids of my own, Carmen and I do. And there's something beautiful when the kids that we already love come to us out of relationship and ask. Now, as a parent, now I'm not omniscient. I'm not all-knowing like God. So sometimes they're telling me about stuff that I didn't know that they needed. But in a sense, I know that they have needs that are beyond them before they ask. I know that my resources are way bigger than theirs. And I know my heart for them is good, but there's something beautiful about a conversation where they're they are admitting their need for mom or dad, and they're coming to us because they know that we're good and that we care. And so again, remember, prayer is an invitation to an ongoing relationship with a God who already loves us. It's not about impressing and it's not about convincing because he already knows what we need. I love this, this quote by an author, Dale Bruner, about prayer. Quote, listen, prayer is not an intelligence briefing for God. It's an intelligent conversation with God. Wow, it's so good. Let me say it again. Prayer is not an intelligence briefing. I think so much of our prayer time is about that right? You just get in a group and let's, hey, let's pray for one another. And the entire time is spent saying, these are the things that we need. Nothing wrong with that, great. And then what do we do? We tell God, God, I need this. Oh, God, I need that. God, I need this. And yes, there's a rightful place to say, God, upon these things, like I'm putting my trust in you for this person, for this relationship, for this situation. But the goal is never to inform God. God already knows. Instead, it's an intelligent conversation with God who knows all things, who has all things, who has power over all things. Prayer is our reminder. Does God need to pray? No, right? God doesn't need to talk about anything with anyone because he already knows everything and he knows everyone. But prayer is the tool that God's given us, one of the, not the only, but one of the tools that God's given us to get behind the secret door, like Life is so chaotic and, and busy. Think of the one-room house. Think of all you had for all of your relationships happened in one big, busy room. It's hard, to get a, it's hard to get a clear thought together. It's hard to focus, isn't it? So the metaphor, the picture is get behind the closed door, uh, set your mind, set your attention, set your focus on the God who is there, on your Father who's unseen because he loves us he doesn't need to be overly informed. But prayer is helpful to us to remember, Lord, you're with me. Now I, I'm inviting you. I'm asking you, Lord, come and, and then fill in the blank. So that's what prayer isn't. But let's, let's talk about what prayer is then, right? Notice what Jesus says. Let's pick it up in verse 9. This then is how you should pray, Jesus tells us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, uh, forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So what, what is this, um, what is prayer then? Well, I'm not going to take the time to go 
line by line, we actually did a full series on prayer that you can go back in our podcast and refer to. But I want us to look at six things that you see here that that Jesus says prayer is about. But in the big picture, you could summarize it in one sentence. Prayer is an invitation to our Father's world. It's the invitation for you you and I to step in to what God is doing because God is always working, right? And I am always working, thinking, doing. The question is, how often am I in alignment with God? God is always at work in our world and in our personal lives and in our church and in our family. God's always doing stuff. The question is not about, is God working? The question is, are we in tune? Are we aware of God's world, of God's space, of God's thoughts, of God's will? And so prayer is an invitation to relationship and it's an invitation for a relationship for us to step into our Father's world. Notice three things that start with your, and then there's going to be three things that start with our. And in a sense, uh, we can pray this prayer word for word. There's nothing wrong with using this as a template and reading it and reciting it and pouring out your heart to God. But I think broader than that, what, what Jesus is saying is you're invited into our Father's space. First thing we need to see is before we look at the six is that he's talking to Father. Jesus says, our Father. And um, the, the word here is in, in Aramaic, Abba. It's, it's uh, been translated in some debate about it, but as Daddy. It's very personal. It's, um, yeah, I could talk about your father or their father, but then there's, there's my dad. And I happen to have a great relationship with my dad. And I can call on him as dad in a way that, that you can't because I belong to him and he belongs to me. And Jesus is saying in real human language, when we come, close the door, we, we, we pull away from the noise and we step into God's space and say, our father, we're coming to him as loved children. And in their day, yes, God was seen as glorious and great, Yahweh, the creator. And Jesus is saying, that is right. He is above us. Notice, our father in heaven. So yes, my dad happens to live in Medford. And he physically lives a couple hours away. He's close. And so yes, there's a closeness. He's Abba. But he's also our father in his own space, right? He is above us. So we come to him as the one who knows all, who's over all, and yet loves us deeply, our Father in heaven. The invitation is for us to step in to the great God's world and this great God who's creator and sustainer of all of the universes. Just think about that for a moment. Everything, every atom, every nucleus that's ever been created is under God's hand. The earth, as the psalmist says, is like a footstool to him. There's nothing big in this world that's big to God because he's over all. This great God, to us who belong to Jesus, is known as Father. And so so prayer isn't this distant, cold, God out there, if you're out there, help me out. Jesus is saying to his his followers, not everyone's going to see God this way, but to his followers, you're invited into this closeness, the God who's over the universe and yet loves you as a son 
and as a daughter. A, a couple of things about this great God. Three with your and three with our. Notice the ones that are your. Uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus tells his disciples, when we approach God, remember, this is the great God. God, you are great. Now, do you have to do it in this order? No. But I think Jesus is telling us, how do we foster this ongoing communication with God? We remember that he's great. How has God been great in history, in the Bible, and in your world? Our Father in heaven, great is your name. This simply means that God's character, we need to remember when we come to him, his character, his goodness, Lord, you're like no one else. God, thank you that you've invited me to be your child. God, your name is great. The second your, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now God's kingdom, as we've been talking all throughout the series, is God's good and loving rule. God, I come to you. There's none like you, God. I remember who he is. And this is going to help me. When I remember who God is, it gives me the faith to trust him. If your dad has no cash, don't go to him for some help, right? If your father is broke, what help is he going to be to you? Our father in heaven, great are you, great are you. When I am reminded of all that God is and all that God has, it, it puts me in a position, prayer is about getting me back into God's way of thinking, into God's space. God's always working. Am I in alignment with God? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying that what we do when we pray is we say, God, whatever you want to do, that's what I'm about. Prayer is less about getting God on my side. By the way, if you're a Christian, he's already for you. Prayer, rather, is our opportunity to align our life, our thinking, our circumstances in alignment with who God is already. Isn't that good? Now, I often don't see prayer. I see prayer as like, help, God, I'm stuck, or God, I'm depressed, or God, I don't know what to do. Well, that's good. Pour out your heart to God. Because the more you think about how great he is, and the more you begin to think about, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in the world? What are you doing in my job? What are you doing in this neighborhood? What are you doing in our church? What are you doing in my soul? That's where God begins to speak and to inform us and bring us back into alignment. And the third, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth. And, and that's the essence of, of a bulk of why we need a realignment. Again, prayer, yes, we're asking God to do things, nothing wrong with that, but we're praying, God, we want to see and I want to see what you're accomplishing, what you're working on. May it happen here. The implication is, if there's some role for me to play, I'm in. Prayer, prayer is, the, is those moments say, Lord, are there some people you, you want to bless? I'm, I'm available. Are there those around that you want to comfort and you want to love? Your son, in my case. Your daughter, maybe in your case. I am here. So prayer is not about convincing God of things that I need. He already knows that I need them. Prayer is about saying, God, here's my heart and my life and my mind. Your name is great. Your kingdom come. And whatever you want to accomplish, I want that done. Now, in the context of what Jesus has been saying on the Sermon on the Mount, what is the will of God? 
the will of God is that God's people, right, all around the world who, who have been created by him, that God's people would live under God's good rule. The will of God is that those who don't know Jesus would know him. Those who don't follow Jesus would follow him. Those who are following Jesus would now live like him. We don't have to wonder about the will of God. We think of the will of God as, God, do you want me to go to school A or school B? And that is important, and God knows both, and God can give us wisdom. But the bigger will of God is that all of God's creation would fit and live willingly under God's good rule. This is the will of God. Okay, those were three, your, your, your. But then the prayer goes on. It's not, it is about aligning my heart to God's heart, but it is about our, notice, give us today our daily bread. Lord, we have needs. And I could do a whole message on this one. I won't. But it is about your, your, your. When, when I remember who you are and what you want to do, and I'm seeking after your will, isn't that the best time to say, end? And God, because I'm thinking about you and what you're trying to do in me and around me and through me, now, Lord, you know I do have needs. Notice the order. It's about us thinking about God. And then because we've thought about him, we're going to begin to ask for the right things. Give us today our daily bread, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So I have needs. I have material needs. God, I'm coming to you for those needs. I have other needs. I have uh, emotional and relational needs. And I think that's the essence. Um, some relationships have broken down. So God, I'm choosing to forgive. Some people have hurt me. Lord, help me. Give me the power to live in reconciliation. Remember all the things that Jesus said prior in this message. Lord, relationships have broken down. I need forgiveness and I need to extend forgiveness. God, I'm coming to you for the power to live like you because Jesus forgives fully. Now, Lord, we need our tangible needs met. Yeah, I'm coming to you for those. We need our emotional and our relational needs met. I'm coming to you for those. And then there's these struggles, these things that have yet to happen. Notice verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, right? Deliver us, Lord. There's some stirrings in my heart, and these stirrings I'm beginning to discern as I think about you, your name, your kingdom, your will. I'm beginning to realize, Lord, in my time with you, I have some desires that are not like you. So, Lord, I'm asking you to lead me even in, in my mixed desires. Some of my desires are like you, Jesus. Some of my desires are very selfish and fleshly and worldly and not like you and are going to bring hurt to myself and to the people around me. And, Lord, I'm, I'm coming, closing the door. I'm I'm getting away from the noise, whatever that looks like for you. And I'm saying, Jesus, please, please forgive me from my past, the things I have done, as I'm extending forgiveness. And now the things I think I may slip into, Lord, we need you. So it's kind of pull us all together. Prayer isn't an opportunity to impress anybody. So you may be good at externally looking close to Jesus, let me just ask you, are you really living, walking day by day, growing humbly, uh, a few steps forward, a few steps back, a few steps forward, a few steps back? Are you growing in Jesus' likeness? 
You don't need to put on a show. God's not impressed, neither are other people, to be quite honest. But prayer is this opportunity to live in real, authentic relationship with God. And prayer is the invitation to step into our Father's world, your kingdom, your, your name, your will. And then out of that, Lord, our, our, our tangible needs, our emotional, relational needs, our temptation, our future needs. Lord, we're, we're coming to you. We're coming to you for all of these things. And, and I think that the Lord's prayer, which isn't the only word of prayer in the Bible, is Jesus's beautiful invitation to ongoing relationship. Okay, so what do we, what do, we do to step in this way? Uh, just a couple of thoughts that might be helpful to you. Um, make prayer or pushing away of the noise to lean in on God, make it a priority with your time. Um, prayer doesn't just happen, okay? Just like ongoing healthy relationships don't just happen. Show me a marriage that's lasted 50 years and they're still deeply in love and actually like each other and you'll get a long 50-year record of ongoing adjustments, right? Highs and lows and corrections and forgiveness and, and memories working on it. Then in the same way, if we don't prioritize relationships, human relationships, they will die or they, they will go off course. And so if I want to flourish as a Jesus follower, make, make time and space with God, make it a priority. So um, can I recommend a couple of things? Um, begin the day, if you can, this way. And that could be 30 seconds before your feet hit the floor. What would it look like if before my feet hit the floor, I would say, God, it is a new day. I have no idea what this day holds. But God, help me throughout the day to remember you. Give me that simple. Uh, begin. And if it's not the first moment, it's maybe with breakfast, pull away if you can. If you got little ones, impossible. But pull away if you can. If, if you're able to get out of the house, whether it's for work or school, you schedule your class, you schedule your meetings. Do we schedule uh, check-ins? Now that may sound legalistic, and no, that's not the point. The point is fostering ongoing relationship so that I can get away from the noise and step into the Father's world and be shaped by the Father. Jesus is inviting us. And um, as well, be patient, okay? Great communication in any human relationship takes time and energy and is filled with setbacks. So when it comes to prayer, don't go for the Lord, I'm going to give you an hour a day. Don't even time it. But if it starts with a moment and moves to moments, which moves to more and more minutes, which moves to more and more times throughout the day, which moves to more and more times with other people, which moves to a deeper desire to to grow, I think that should be the heart of Jesus' followers because the Jews, they prayed, prayed at least three times a day. They prayed the 18 benedictions. All that was there. And yet Jesus says, part of my people here are off. Don't live like the hypocrites. And so I think in the same way as Jesus' people today, it's possible to look good on the outside and look prayerful and look religious and yet be missing the very heart of God, that it's not God's will for you. Jesus says, you're invited into the Father's world. Remember, relationships take time. 
well, uh, how do I create those moments? I'm giving you one right now. I want to I wanna move from this to an experiential moment with Jesus in communion. So we asked you early, but if you've not yet, grab some juice or wine and some bread or a cracker. And together, let's encounter this moment. This is our prayer moment. This is our way to pull away from the noise of all that's happened, even today's short day or this long week. And to ask the Father, Lord, help me to see you for who you are, your name, your kingdom, your will, and reshape my desires. So as we take communion today, I'm going to even grab my little cracker and my little juice cup. Let's, let's talk to the Father together and let's receive from the Father tangibly bread and cup, being reminded that whenever we call on Jesus' name, take communion or just vocalize to God, we're stepping into his world. Let's do this together. Lord, I thank you for your church, your people, now spread in homes all over the area. Lord, we confess we long to be together. Lord, we're thankful for these screens. We're, we're thankful for these moments. But Lord, our heart longs to be together in one physical space and to hug one another and to hold hands and pray for one another and to high five one another. We want to be together. But Lord, even though we're distanced, yet we're connected. And so in the similar way, Lord, we don't see you with our human eyes in ways we would want to, but we know that you're real. And we pray again, Lord, your name be great, even in us. God, help us to know who you are so that we can live in light of your love. Lord, we pray your kingdom, the things that you wanna do in and through our Jesus community here through 26 West Church, would you continue to do those, Lord? And we're a part of that, so we're inviting you, Lord, here we are, use us. And Father, we, we ask you, we ask you, ask you your will in our lives. Lord, the things that need to be reshaped. We remember you, Jesus, the Son of God, who died and rose again to give us life. Now live your life in and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to take the bread and the cup here, but I would encourage you, I didn't pray the whole prayer. Once we're done, when we express, you know, worship in the end, take a few moments, even with the people, if you're watching it with other people, and, and go through, have your moment with God together. Go through, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us. Protect us from temptation. Maybe it would be good for you to have a few moments together as a, a family and call on God for your needs together. But let's eat and drink and remember the Lord Jesus.